A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord, You say, The Lord's way is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel. Is it my way that is unfair? Or rather, are your ways unfair? When someone virtuous turns away from virtue to commit iniquity and dies, it is because of the iniquity he committed that he must die. But if he turns from his wickedness he has committed and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. Since he has turned away from all the sins that he has committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. The word of the Lord. In one of Aesop's fables, a hungry fox tries to reach some grapes, but they're too high for him to reach. Since he can't get them, he says, the grapes were sour anyway. I didn't even want them. That's where our phrase sour grapes comes from. The Jews also had a proverb about sour grapes, but it meant something else. It went like this. Parents eat sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. Parents eat sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. Both Aesop's fox and the Jewish child are dealt a bad hand, but while the fox pretends not to care, the unlucky children dwell on their circumstances. Our reading this evening comes from the prophet Ezekiel, whose book is set at the time of the Babylonian exile. At the beginning of this chapter, God asks the prophet about this proverb. Apparently, many of the Jewish people at the time had sour grapes, at least the second kind. Now, that's understandable. It's hard for us to fathom what the Babylonian exile would have been like. Jerusalem has sometimes been described as Washington, D.C., and Wall Street and the Vatican all rolled into one, and it was gone. Their land was gone. Their connection to God and the temple was gone. It was all gone. They had lost everything. We can imagine them looking back to the glory they had before as a kingdom and comparing it to where they were stuck, in a foreign land which was pagan and decadent. And worst of all, it wasn't even their fault. Maybe it was Rehoboam's fault or Ahaz's fault or Jehoiakim's fault. It was their ancestors' fault. These people, they weren't even alive when the exile started, or at least they were young. They were living in a mess that had been created by people who came before them, which is why they were complaining to God, your ways are not fair. So what did God say? He says, enough. I don't want to hear any more about sour grapes. He doesn't deny for a second that history has consequences. Yes, the situation that they were in was a result of the sin of their ancestors. But he tells the people, I don't want you to focus on that. Don't focus on the sins of other people. Focus on yourself. Do you uh, commit a life of idolatry? Do you commit a life of oppression, of usury, of adultery, 
Or do you commit a life? Do you live a life of righteousness? If you live a life of oppression, you will have death. If you live a life of righteousness, you will have life. Not because of what your ancestors did or didn't do. Not because of what your descendants will do or will not do. The choice between life and death is yours. So on second thought, maybe it's not so hard for us to imagine what the exile would have been like. If I may be so bold, we too are in a kind of exile. The old paradigms have passed away, whether we're talking about the paradigms of our church or the paradigms of our society. Our grandparents had the paradigm of strength and stability of the post-war world. America was victorious. Our novitiate and our seminaries, they were full. Our babies were booming. Things were looking good. For our parents, strength and stability gave way to exuberance and optimism of the 60s. Racism was being overcome. The church was opening its doors to the world. Things were looking good. For our part, we find ourselves in a period of, well, I'm not sure what, but it's not looking good, that's for sure. Our lifetime in the church has been scarred by abuse. Our institutions are in decline, and our country is scarred by brutality and division. There's a reckoning of past and present sins that has called into question our deepest held assumptions about what came before us. Perhaps those triumphs weren't so triumphant after all. In the midst of all this chaos, it's tempting to say, it's not my fault. I didn't own slaves. I didn't support Jim Crow. I didn't kill George Floyd. For that matter, I didn't commit any sexual abuse in the church. And it's tempting to give up, to give in to the exile, to say the circumstances are too big, and to blame it all on God, that his ways are not fair. The truth is, God's not going to judge us for other people's sins. It's the hand that we've been dealt. However, God will judge us for how we respond to the sinful world that we've been given, for how we use our lives, our resources, our influence, our vocation. What kind of Dominican am I? What kind of Catholic am I? What kind of American am I? Am I a force for sin or a force for righteousness? Am I a force for death or a force for life? God did, in fact, return the people of Israel to their land. They were given a new temple, a new start, a new life. God offers us a new life, too. Not the old life, mind you. He doesn't offer us the old church back. He doesn't offer us the old America back. What he does offer us is hope in a new heaven and a new earth, one that's not marked by division or brutality or the abuse of power, 
but one that's marked by the self-sacrificial love of Jesus on the cross. And he's giving us more than enough grace to accomplish this if we're willing to cooperate. No, he's giving us hope. Hope doesn't point back, it points forward. And the choice is ours. Yeah.